God's Word this morning. And today we're going to talk about the topic of joy. What gives you joy? I mean, obviously for me, I mean, my family gives me joy. But what is true joy? I mean, joy surpasses everything else. And I believe that is the joy we have in Jesus Christ, isn't it? The fact that you know Jesus, that's joy. The fact that Jesus knows you, what a great joy that is. But today, we're also going to look at what gave Jesus his joy. And what, this is a very important lesson that we could know, that what um, the important thing is to know what gave him joy, what made him overflow with joy. So we're going to look at that in chapter 10 of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, just open to Luke chapter 10. And we are going through this series in Luke, and we're finally here at chapter 10. And we are heading into the climax of Luke. I mean, it's going to be a long phase, but here Jesus started out his ministry in Galilee. He spent his time in Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazin, and now he is going down towards Jerusalem. He's traveling all the way down to Jerusalem, and what is waiting in Jerusalem is his cross, his death, and that is where he is going. And now we look at this story found in chapter 10, verse 1. So I'm going to read this actually together if we could read this. Uh, Where are we? This is... Okay, so, oh, that's the heading. Okay, so here we go. All right, so after this, okay, so here we go from there. And that's supposed to be one, right? So anyways, after this, can we read this together? The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So that is where we begin. Wow. So Jesus, at the time, had a lot of followers. I mean, there's the 12 disciples, you know, his inner circle, right? And then there was this, uh, there's about 500 disciples or followers of Jesus that was kind of hanging around and just like, man, amazed by Jesus. And out of that 500, he chooses or he chose 72 of them and then paired them up. So there's basically 36 teams. Here's my math today. So we're good. Okay, I could do that. All right, 60 or... 72 divided by 2, 36 teams, all right? So he is sending that team to go to the places where Jesus is about to go. So he's going down to Jerusalem, but before he goes, he's, you know, there's a lot of cities that he wants to go by. So he's sending the disciples out there. But he says that it's like sending them into the pack of wolves, basically. That's what he's saying. And that is a reminder that when we are being sent out for Jesus, when we're doing God's work, there's going to be hardship. It's going to be danger. And we do see that all around the world today. Maybe not, we don't feel that that much here in Orange County. But it is when we do God's business, when we do God's work, we better be careful. And that is what he is saying. And also what we have to be aware is that we get rejected. We will get rejected when we share the love of Jesus. There are people who we find here in this story that there are people who's going to reject that story. But you know, sometimes we are so fearful of rejection that we sometimes change the message. But that is something that we cannot do. 
right? I mean, we, the message of Jesus stays the same because sometimes we try to sugarcoat it too much. We, pry, we, we make it sound like it's an easy thing, but it is not an easy thing. We, it is very clear right here because there will be a time of judgment. And sometimes we want to postpone that as much as we can. We want to try to look away from that as much as we can. But here we find in chapter 10, there is no looking away from the time where we will be judged. And here, very specifically, um, it says in verse 12, it says, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day of Sodom than that town. Um, so be, first of all, that day means it's a judgment day, and it's tough to swallow. But that town, what is he talking about, that town? The town is a town where they knew about Jesus. Jesus went there, or Jesus, they heard about Jesus. They saw the miracles. They, they heard his story, that he is the giver of life, and now the kingdom of God is near. So repent. And they heard that story, but they rejected that anyways. Here Jesus compares that town that, have, um, that had the opportunity to accept Jesus with the city called Sodom. If you know any about anything about Sodom in the Old Testament, you're like, no way. I mean, that, it cannot be that bad because Sodom, we know, I mean, it is just a mess. I mean, it is like a sin capital of the world and we know how bad it was when you read this account. But Jesus said, that town that rejects me here is worse than Sodom. That's what he's saying. Because the key is this town rejected Jesus, even though they had the opportunity right there. Sodom, obviously they're bad. There was a lot of sin, but they didn't know about Jesus. And Jesus kind of refers that if they have saw what took place, the miracle, they had a chance to see the miracles and hear me speak about the kingdom of God, then they would have repented, right? But, but these cities have rejected me, even though they saw many miracles, but they had no heart of repentance, Therefore, it says that judgment is worse than Sodom. I mean, it's crazy to think about. You like, it can be worse than Sodom. Well, Jesus said it is. And in the same matter, or very likely matter, Jesus laments for these cities or these towns. Woe to Cor- woe Corazon, woe Bethsaida. And he talks about Capernaum as well in that same light. He's lamenting for them. Why is he lamenting? Because you know where he's heading to. He's going down to Jerusalem. He's not coming back. Obviously, Jesus came back to those cities after uh, you know, he uh, resurrected. Before the ascension, he spent his time in Galilee. But he is not coming back to do any more ministry. So he's like, oh man, Chorazin, you saw me do so many miracles. You saw the bread being uh, you know, exploding, you know, and multiplying. You saw those miracles. You saw people getting healed. You heard me speak about the kingdom of God, but you, there's some of you still rejected me. And he is lamenting for their souls because he's not coming back. So he is looking towards Jerusalem because he, the time is now. He has to go. And, and he's, he's telling people um, and, and, and then, so these, these, the question now that I have this morning is that Jesus was more harsh on Capernaum and these cities who had a chance to see Jesus still rejected. He's treating them more harsher than Sodom. So what about us? What about Costa Mesa? What about Irvine? What about Huntington Beach? What about our cities? What do you think? Will he be more harsher on us than Capernaum? 
I believe he does. Because that, that, that punishment, that judgment, that correlates with the miracles that they got to witness. Remember, Sodom, they didn't, never saw Jesus, but Capernaum did. And Jesus was more harsher on them. We know all his miracles, right? We have the Bible in front of us. We know what took place. And we know the biggest miracle of all. What is that? It is the, the resurrection of Jesus. And we know that. We are aware of that. So we are those who live in the post-resurrection period, which we have a responsibility to understand and grasp the depth of God's love. We have all the reason to see that and repent. and says, man, God's kingdom is near. Jesus is here. And for us, basically, there is no excuse. So what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves that is in sin? What do we do when we find ourselves doubting God? What do we do is to say, it is very clearly the message is the same. Repent. Kingdom is near. Repent. So now, um, you know, Jesus says, he's sending these people out and the mess, there's this, this urgency. So, you know, Jesus sent these people out, these 72, and says, you know, don't take anything with you. Don't even say hi to people. Why is he saying that? Because there is a sense of urgency. Before Jesus goes to these towns, make sure they hear the message. So when Jesus is here, they know what to do, right? So there, he's using specifically 36 groups to send this message out ahead of time so that when Jesus gets there, they're ready to accept. They're preparing the way for Jesus. So what happened? Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So we're talking about the theme of joy, and here we find their joy. But these 72 people, these disciples, their joy was off the mark. Jesus responds to them saying in verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what basically Jesus is saying is, of course the spirits will submit to you. Guess who gave you the power, right? I have given you authority. Of course they will submit. Right? So don't think it's something you're doing. Don't think you're special. It's, 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 it's because of the authority that I gave you. So Jesus is saying, don't find joy in the things that you're doing. I mean, of course, it's like, they're like, oh, how cool this is. Wow, it's great to serve you, God. So, I mean, that gives you joy. But he's saying, don't take joy in that. There's more, better joy. You got to take joy in finding salvation. Right? Serving Jesus and working for Jesus, yeah, it's great things. But it is so easily, just like we saw here, that leads us to pride. Isn't that true of today? When we're doing something for God, some place where it says, oh, I am so, I'm special. Yes, of course, but it's because Jesus chose you. It's not because of you, right? And it is such an easy thing for us to misunderstand and when, where we place our joy is so important because Jesus is saying we got to find joy that you're forgiven of sin and you have eternal life. Take joy in that rather than somebody or something submitting to you, right? And the biggest joy of all 
There's nothing more important than that joy that your name is written in heaven, that you've been saved. You're made alive in Christ. That is the ultimate joy. Like the disciples, it is easy for us to twist the power of Jesus and the fact that we're following him. You know, some people just look at Jesus maybe as like a good luck charm. You know, well, when I wear my cross, when I hold this cross, I feel protected. Uh, this, 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 you know, beats the demons. And, you know, I mean, maybe there's some truth to that. But, you know, that's not it. That's not the only thing. Or sometimes we take Christianity or we, we take our faith as a means to be looked on as a, like a nice person or somebody who cares for others. We kind of use Jesus' name in vain. Sometimes we follow Christ for the sake of wanting to feel superior than other people that don't know Christ. I mean, we have to be very careful in, in our souls. What is happening? We've been saved by the power of Jesus. And that joy needs to drive us to serve God. Nothing else. See, we start out by, oh, Jesus, thank you. I serve you. I want to serve you. Whatever, you, you know, whatever for you, I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> Or we say, okay, Jesus, wherever you send me, I'll go. Or we say, okay, whatever it takes, I'm with you, Jesus. We, we start out by saying that. But somewhere along the line, there's sometimes we easily find ourselves saying, okay, I'll serve, but not that. And I'll serve if it's something that I like. I'll serve if it's something that I, uh, you know, I'm good at. See, we start out by, I'll do whatever for you, Jesus. To the point where it's like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I, I want to do what I want to do. Or maybe we say, okay, I'll, I'll go wherever you tell me, but Jesus, make sure I could come back tonight. <laughs> you know, maybe it's a day trip. But I'm not going to go to the other side of the world for you. I mean, I have family. I mean, obviously, there are good reasons. But where is the priority? Sometimes we start by saying, okay, whatever, Jesus. But then somewhere along the line, we get our priorities mixed up. Here's a question. Are we okay in being the means to an end for Jesus' vision? Or is Jesus being the means for your end? For you? See, there is a quite a big difference. We could use Jesus to accomplish your goals. Whereas where we need to have is we are being used for Jesus, by Jesus, for His goals and His vision. What is His vision? His vision is to share the gospel message to every single men and women and children all over the world. And that is, the, we get to be part of His vision. And remember what He said, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We have to be careful. And we learned something very important in today's passage, and that is found in verse 21. Let's focus on that. Let me read this. Verse 21, it says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for that is what you are pleased to do. I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus was always overflowing with joy. But this is the only part in the Bible that says He actually overflowed with joy. It is very rare to find that kind of writing. So what gave Jesus joy? What do we find here? He's saying that for the truth of God, 
He is joyful because the truth of God is revealed within these children. Not the, the Pharisees, not the people who had, they thought they had the answers, not the people who have accomplished everything in the world. They, those things are hidden to us. In other words, when you are prideful, when we feel like we got it, that is, the truth of God is hidden. But when we are like a children, when we are like this, this newborn baby seeking for God, and, there, and we receive it without anything that we could have in return, those are the people, that, that humility, that, that honesty, that joyfulness is what we need to accept the truth. Like the baby, just like my baby, who's like putting full trust in his mother when that milk. That's how we need to accept the salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn that. This is grace alone. And when we accept that like a children, like little children, that's what gives Jesus joy. Because that's what it says right here. He is so happy that this truth is being revealed and being accepted by children. And, and that's what pleases Jesus. And that's what he says, Father, you are pleased to do. Now, let me just finish by sharing the story of King Olaf of Norway. Okay, this is a story. That's a true story that took place. And, and there's, this, there's, a, there's a, the King Olaf the fifth, I believe. He was um, a king of Norway. And he was wondering what it's like to live as a normal person in that country, right? So he would spend some time and uh, go down in the streets, okay? It's like, what is it like? So this day, he particular, he chose to walk towards his station. It's like, okay, so what are people going through? And then, obviously, the life is very different than his royal palace. In the streets, there are people who are homeless, and they're hungry. And there's one man, his name is Johan. Johan was super hungry. He hadn't eaten five days. He was so hungry. He's like screaming out, Hey, King Olaf. Because obviously King, everybody knew his face. So he's like, Oh, there's King. So please feed me. I'm so hungry. I'm starving. And then King, like, he was like, Are you for, for, for sure? I mean, are you not lying? I mean, come on. I mean, I, I don't have anything. But are you, so what do we want me to do? He's like, oh, Anything. I'm just so hungry. So then what, you know, the king felt bad. He's like, um, all right, I don't have anything. But, you know, he took out his just a little notepad or, you know, he found a piece of paper and he wrote to Johan. So he wrote this, Johan is invited for dinner tonight. So he, he gave this and he's like, all right, all right, see you later. So obviously, he was, Johan was hungry. So he was like, all right, I got this note from, but it's a little piece of paper. I don't know if this is going to do this, but at night, he approached the royal palace, the king's palace. And there's a lot of guards, you know, with, with guns who's waiting. And, you know, and, and he was scared because maybe, like, they will shoot me. But he went to the entrance and says, you know, I've been invited by the king to come. He's like, shut up. Okay, you're not supposed to be here. You're a homeless man, and you look at you. You don't belong here. Just go and leave. But he's like, nah, um, well, I, I have this note. So he gave this note to the guard. And the guard's like, what is this? You know, it's a little piece of paper. But on that it says, Johan is invited to dinner tonight. And then on the back of it, there was a signature by the king. Hmm. So I guess, all right. So he comes in. 
And he has this dinner. He has this time of his lifetime, this food that he ate that night. It was just the same as what king would eat. And he was just like, oh, my goodness, I'm so filled with, with this food. And he was so happy that night. Well, there's a continuation to that story. I mean, it's a kind of nice story. But the next day, he was hungry again. And he's like, I wonder I could use this note again. Because on that note, it says, I'm invited tonight. Maybe I could go. And then he goes to the palace again and go to the guards and says, you know, um, I'm here again. And the guards like, no, you, can't, you just came last night. Get away, get away. But he says, tonight. <laughs> and then on the back, there's a signature. And the guards could not do anything because they're like, oh, that's the signature. And I guess, so he went in and he had another big dinner. And he was filled again. And then he came back the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And he kept going to the king's palace for dinner every night. Because it says, I'm invited to the dinner. Until like the memo was all wrinkled. And it was like, you know, you can't even see. He used that as long as he had that. He was able to go. And what I want to put in, you know, turn our attention to us as you have also received a memo too you're being invited to this party you're invited to this king's palace you're invited to heaven and it says you are invited and then there is a signature of the king and that you have given that and, and will you receive that memo joyfully and maybe you had a doubt in the beginning but it's like all right i, I got this or will you say oh, i'm not good enough or will you say I shouldn't deserve this. Or, you know, you'll hear the words of other people says, I shouldn't, I don't belong there. And you say, yeah, never mind. And you rip it out. Would you do that? Or would you take that memo seriously? The fact, because of the fact that it is written and signed by the king. Would you joyfully receive that and use that? See, the one thing that is different is that our king died to give you that invitation. Our king gave up his everything to give you that invitation so that he could give whatever that was his for you. That is a big difference. But his vision, like I said earlier, is to have as many people receive this invitation because the king's palace has plenty of room. And his vision is to fill this place with people who need this invitation and who needs that invitation. Every single one of us that has life on earth Harvest is plentiful. So where is the workers? We want to say, that's us. We are here. So let's continue to pray for more workers. And then let us serve Him. Because our biggest joy, no doubt, is the joy of salvation. You have given that invitation and you've received it. That is by far the biggest joy. But once you get that invitation, there is another joy. We find joy in being, serving for God, His vision. You know, your life will mean the most when you're means for God's vision. Can I say that again? Your life will mean the most when you live as means for God's vision. And His vision is to have more people invited into His palace. See, there are places where Jesus wants to go. But He is sending you to 
to go there ahead of time to prepare so that when they meet Jesus, they will know what to do. See, that where, the place, where are those places? It is your city. It is your family. It is your friends. It is your neighborhood. Jesus will eventually come. But will you beforehand, would you prepare the way and give them that invitation? It is up to them whether they receive it or not. And we are going to go through hardships. We may be rejected because it's like being thrown into the, the pack of wolves. That's what Jesus said. But that's why we need to keep a community. Just like Jesus sent them two by two, we need to team up as well. We can never do that alone because if you do, we'll be chewed up. Never be isolated. Now work together with somebody. But please take joy that your name is written in heaven. But we want to see more names written in heaven, don't we? Because that's what Jesus' vision is. And we want to be part of that vision together. And just like Jesus says, go. So let's go. Let's go with Jesus. He is risen and giving you life. And he is walking alongside you. So here's our weekly challenge today. This week, if you could take a phone, your phones, take a picture. And I want you to read, to know more of God. Would you read Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24? And then just ask yourself, what gives you true joy? And now, the second question, the grow piece, I think is a challenging one. Are you 100% okay in being the means for the end for Jesus' vision? Or is Jesus being means to an end for you? I mean, that's an important question. We need to make that straight. And then as an overflow, please be sure to bring someone along you to do what you're doing for God. You know, when you're, maybe you're doing something, you're serving God, bring someone along with you. But also, in a tangible way, I want us to support somebody who's doing something that you want to do, but for whatever reason you can't do at the time. Maybe you could help Heavenly Treasures. Maybe you, because you want to go there, but you can't. But they can go. So maybe in a tangible way you could do that. Or maybe in a tangible way you could support another missionary who's going to Japan. You want to go, but you can't. Or maybe you could support somebody or just encourage them who's serving God in a way that you want to, but somehow you're not able to. Don't do it alone. And when somebody is serving God, encourage them. That's how we could overflow this week. Hey, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being our joy, the joy of salvation, giving us the invitation to enter into an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank you for bringing that joy in our lives. But once we receive that joy, we find ourselves wanting to be part of your vision, wanting to be a part of your worker because the harvest is plentiful. There's so many that don't know you today and eventually there will be a time of judgment. Yes, it is up to all of us to receive or reject you, but help us to do our part well. Help us to do our part trusting you. And then may we be sure of the joy that we have in you so that we could share this joy with others. So we, help, we, we need your help. We need to team up. We need to partner because we, there will be hardship. There will be rejections. So God, would you continue to help us to team up with others to serve you better? We thank you for this church that we could do this together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we continue?